like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey, without a star, Corey Star. Hello, hello. And <laughs> that name is, of course, in reference to the film we were going to be reviewing tonight, which is Eyes Without a Face. Um, we'll be getting into that later in the episode, but uh, whether you're new or a returning listener, uh, Corey and I like to first check in with each other and then see what else we've been watching since last time we recorded before we get into our review of the week. So, Corey, how you doing? You know, it's fall. It's been real chilly here, like in the 30s and 40s mm. overnight. Um, I finally had to turn on my heat because I was waking up and it was like 67, 68 degrees in my house. And I'm a little old person. I get chills in my bones. So, um, you know, just enjoying the weather change and then uh, working a lot. Nothing very exciting. How are you? I am doing quite well. Today was a, a rather good day, I would say, overall. Actually, I've had a couple of good moments this week. There was some stress. Uh, I am the yearbook advisor at my school where I'm also the film teacher. Um, and uh, this week was picture day, which always is stressful um, normally. It was about 10 times more stressful this year because of COVID, right? So... Normally, picture day is one day. This year, it was already going to be two days, but now it had to be two days for different reasons. And so um, it was going to be two days because the photography company wanted to, like, space out, like, how many people we had. And, like, um, there was another reason. I forget why. But then now it was necessary because we have half of our students are online only and half of our students are, um, well, half of the remaining students are then split into either hybrid where they come one week and say home another week. And those are rotating. So we have like hybrid a and hybrid B and then we have face to face where they're on campus every day. So I had a big struggle where I had like, so I was going to do one day of the photography would be online and uh, hybrid B because this week was hybrid a. And then the other day would be hybrid a and face to face. Well, then we had uh, testing was mandated from the state that had to happen on one of my two days. So that made it even more problematic and whatnot. Um, so uh, Wednesday was the online day. It went pretty smooth, but I definitely, I, I missed several hundred kids that were not able to come for one reason or another. Uh, you know, they're on, maybe they chose not to come because they're online and that's, they don't want to be around people, you know, so why would they come for pictures? Um, but it went smooth, like with the hundred kids or so that came like it, that we never had a lot of crowding or anything. So we were able to, you know, adhere to all the policies. Um, but, and we do have another system in place where they can submit their own picture for it to be in the yearbook, uh, this way. But, um, then Thursday I was supposed to be a test administrator and, um, I did have two, uh, two very, very awesome coworkers basically took my, my testing responsibility that day so that I could get some planning done because the day before uh i was doing the pictures and stuff and then also today i had a sub so that i could run picture day again which was much more uh traditional in the sense that we had it was everyone who was at the school taking their pictures but that created a different obstacle right because i had to make sure that we were always able to space out and i had to have it you know flow very smoothly because normally what i would do is like i'd say letters a through c come to down and there's like a hundred or so kids that would all show up at once and they would be in a line and it'd be really crowded can't do that now 
So I had to do it much, much smaller groups, a lot more focused. It still worked out really well. And I have to say the kids were great. Like listening, they wore their masks like they were supposed to. They stood six feet apart. It couldn't have gone any smoother today. So those were all good things. It could have been even more stressful. It was still a little bit of stress, but it still, it went smooth and went well. Um, so that was very refreshing. But um, another coworker and good friend of mine um, this morning texted me was like, would you want a bagel from a Einstein bagel, Einstein brothers bagels, which I've never oh, had, yum. but I'm a, I'm a big bagel fan. And my favorite part of going to Tribeca the last few years was getting bagels from New York. Cause like New York city bagels are like, that's the place. Right. So I got uh, that offer this morning. Um, and I, I got uh, the everything bagels, my, my preference of bagel anyways. Yes. And then um, I got a garlic and herb schmear on it. Ooh. It was amazing. Except <laughs> what I keep finding the worst part about wearing masks is I am painfully aware of how bad my breath is. And, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Garlic, herb, everything, bagel breath for a good hour. And I, I knew I had gum, right? Like I was sure I had gum in my backpack. Could not find it in my backpack. I'm like digging through my backpack. I'm like, man, I know I have gum. Until you got home. Where is my gum? I, well, not quite that late, but several hours of enduring my horrible garlic breath, I finally found the gum. Somehow, it just stayed hidden in my backpack. Um, I didn't, like, dig deep enough, I guess, or whatever, but I finally found it. I was like, oh, thank goodness, because, whew. Oh, I'm sorry. some funky breath. But, and then uh, I had I had dinner with another coworker, and we played a little, uh, just one game of Magic before he had to go uh, to help. We had our first home football game tonight, and he was doing the, like, uh, um, it was senior night, so like they're rep- they're recognizing all, all the senior athletes and cheerleaders and band members and ROTC members, and so he was doing like the roll call for that. He's got a, an awesome like radio voice, um, so he was like he had to go do that. And then I, I came home and I watched uh, one of the movies I'm going to talk about. I watched last week. I'd only seen I think one other movie, so I had to make up for that this week. So I, I've made it. I've made a little bit of an effort to try to get more movies in this week. Um, it's also it's the end of the nine weeks, so there's not a lot of new stuff my kids are doing. It's a lot. I've been grading a lot, but I can, you know I was able to grade here and there. Um, some of the movies I watched, I watched while I was working, kind of thing. So, but um, otherwise, you know, yeah, this week's been busy, and like I, the week flew by. But uh, overall, nothing, nothing bad, um, nothing crazy, and some goods, some good. We'll stuff. take that. Little, yeah, I'll take. Oh, uh, one last thing. Um, another friend, I had, my friends have been awesome this week. Now I'm looking back at this week. Um, another coworker, kind of, she doesn't technically work at my school anymore, but she did work with me and she works at one of our middle schools. Um, she, uh, she's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to stop by the high school. What time do you get there? And I'm like, Oh, I'm there at like seven. And she's like, cool. I have something for you. Shows up. Um, I've got her listening to my favorite podcast that I'm not a part of, uh, the blank check with Griffin and David. Um, and they're doing Zemeckis right now, right? Like, so they, they just did, uh, three weeks ago, they did Back to the Future. Week after that, they did Roger Rabbit. And this week they're doing Back, or the last week they did Back to the Future 2. Uh, Sunday will drop the Back to the Future 3 episode. They go in order of his filmography, right? And, um, this friend is also, not only is she a big Back to the Future fan, but she's also a big Roger Rabbit fan, which I don't know if you know that about me, but I'm a real big, like, Roger Rabbit early, like, childhood framing movie for me. Like, I, a big, big fan of that movie. And, um, so she shows up with a VHS copy of Roger Rabbit that she has turned into like a little nightlight with like LED lights on the inside of it. And, uh, to, to give me, and I'm like, that's amazing. That's so freaking cool. And so there is a picture on my social media listeners. If you'd like to see, uh, the cool craft that her and her children made for me. Um, it's awesome. And it is on top of my, uh, Burkbuster shelf at work where I have all of the movies that my students can rent. 
and um and some other memorabilia that I have on top. I have like the the Star Wars VHS trilogy that a different friend had purchased for me a couple years ago. Um, the Sound of Music VHS box. Um, and then I have some uh, like pop vinyls and stuff that I have just kind of like you know movie related memorabilia type stuff on top of my uh my rental shelf. Um, so now I got this awesome light that with Roger Rabbit. It's pretty cool. I don't know if you saw it or not, Corey, because it is on my my socials. It is rad. Yeah, I, I thought I liked it. I think you did, but I mean, come on, I can't keep track of all of the likes. No, it's because you're so popular. <laughs> so popular. Oh. Um, <laughs> right. I was gonna sing some not a surfy, but I'll. Ooh. Um, uh, you know, uh, last thing, um, that we watched a couple weeks ago, um, a girl walks home alone at night. Mm-hmm. I have listened to that song from the white lies, the, the death song from that movie, like so many times it is like frequently being played in my, uh, for you playlist on my YouTube music. Um, mm-hmm. that song is awesome. Like big fan of that song. So it is going that out there. All right, let's get into what we've been watching. You want to go first? Because I've got a bunch of movies to mention. I'll go first because I don't have a lot. Um, So I've still been watching, I don't know why, um, but Fear of the Walking Dead. Ah. Um, I'm just not into the characters like I was with The Walking Dead. I just am not attached. And also, I mean, I don't want to give any spoilers or anything, but this is pretty general, I feel. Um, I don't ever feel like they really find themselves in the kind of, like, life and death situations that, like, you know, the characters in The Walking Dead did. Mm. I don't know. It it doesn't ever feel like the stakes are very high. Um, and so I'm, like, almost done with season two of that, I think. And then, um, I finished watching, like, the other eight or nine episodes of Haunting Bly Manor. I want to watch that. I, I want. I haven't watched the other one yet, though, so I need to watch that first. So you don't have to because oh, they're okay. they're you don't have to. They're like each season is its own story, but it is kind of like American Horror Story where it has like the same cast, like okay. the same like you know people playing parts. There was one sister from the first one that I can't remember seeing in Bly Manor. I was going to look into that, but um. Like I've already said, I love the actress who plays Nellie in the first season. In the sex- second season, she plays Danny, and she's just fantastic again. You can feel what she's feeling. It's always, like, written all over her face, her, like, body language, everything. But I, th- they're both very good, but I think for different reasons. Like, the first one is very, it's more scary, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say... I don't know. I keep seeing a lot of people complain that Bly Manor isn't as scary as the first one, but I don't think it was really trying to be. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. People might just have expectations to tie to the first series that it's going to be the same. And that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily fair. And I always forget it's the same director who did Dr. Sleep and also Gerald's game. Oh, I like Gerald's game. Yeah. He's a big fan. I can't ever say her last name, but Carla, is it Gugino? Yes. Um, he must be a big fan of hers because she's been in both seasons of The Haunting, or both mm. of the series. She is a good actress, so that she is a good choice. is. She's great. Um, and <laughs> that's all I've been watching. I have not done, I don't think I've watched any shows this week. I did a lot last week because I watched season uh, three of Korra. Actually, you know what? I think I watched that on Saturday, so never mind. I watched uh, season three of Legend of Korra. Um, after I slowly got through season two, season three is amazing. And I like binged through season three. 
Um, so highly recommend Legend of Korra season three. I'm, I haven't started four yet because it's the last season. And I hear it's also really good, but I just wanted to like decompress a little bit after watching three. Um, I then I watched uh, Black Box, um, which I might have I might have watched that right before we recorded last time. So I'm not 100 percent. But that's the movie that we just covered on a Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast as part of the uh, House of Blum. That's not what it's called. I cannot remember. Welcome to the Blum House. It's something like that. It's like an anthology series. Um, series is unfair. There's four movies that Blumhouse just released on Amazon Prime. Uh, they did sets of two. It was Black Box and I think Dude. The Lie. And then there's uh, two movies that came out this past Tuesday that Matt and I are reviewing one of them, and I don't remember what it's called, but it starts with an N. Um, they Well, they... I'm sorry to interrupt. They also have that... Uh, they were doing, like, the um, holiday-themed horror movies mm. for hulu so blumhouse has just taken over the horror world guys yes they are uh J- jason blum who um a friend of the show and uh uh founder of disappointment media um big tuna just interviewed jason blum not very long ago um in so, relation to these four movies that just came out and that was a big deal for him he's a big fan of what jason blum has done uh for her so uh, matt and i both really like black box we recommend you check that out um i then I needed some comfort movies, so I watched the uh, Back to the Future trilogy on Sunday, uh, the whole thing, because I love all three movies. I love the first one, I think, the most, because it's, it's the first one, and then I am a huge fan of the third film. I think that is an underrated film. Um, I think people hate on it a lot, but I'm, I've grown to really appreciate Westerns, and uh, that, that movie is just a lot of fun, and it really hits the tropes for the Western really hard, and I enjoy it. So um, then I checked off... Uh, Actually, I guess four Gap movies this week. So I watched Apollo 13, finally. Oh. I've, I've been meaning to watch it since I started Burke Reviews, basically. And I finally did. Um, no surprise. It's really good. Uh, it, it, Tom Hanks is amazing. And uh, you get to see puke in space. And that's kind of gross, but also kind of cool. Um, and yeah, it's it's so not, not really surprising, but it's really, really good. And I enjoyed it very, very much. Um, friend who made me the Who Framed Roger Rabbit light uh, kind of had pushed me to watch that. I'll be watching the right stuff uh, in the near future from the 80s. I just ordered that on Prime Day. Oh, I got to talk about some things I purchased, by the way. Uh, I'll get to that momentarily. Um, then Matt and I, for uh, Movie Astrology, we're doing 2001 for the next episode. So the year 2001, not the not Space Odyssey, but the actual year of cinema. And so uh, I realized, looking at our list of movies that we have to talk about, I've seen a lot of the big movies from 2001. But there were a couple that I'd been meaning to watch for a long time that I'm checking off my list before we get to the podcast. So I watched Moulin Rouge for the first time. And I got to say, I, I'm a Baz Luhrmann fan, apparently. I didn't. He hasn't done many movies. Um, but uh, I love the Romeo and Juliet with uh, DiCaprio and Danes, even though I don't like Danes in that movie at all. I do love everything else about that movie, including the crazy stylistic elements. And this is his musical. Um, I love the soundtrack because they. I didn't realize Moulin Rouge mixes a bunch of like modern songs into like these new this the style of musical, and it's really really cool. I like that a whole lot. Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor are fantastic in that movie. Um, and I I like Ewan. I I tend to like John Leguizamo. Um, oh, and he did Gatsby, which I also enjoy. Mm-hmm. Now the only movie I've not seen of his, I ended up buying uh, at our local thrift store the other day um they had dvds buy five get one free and all of them were a dollar so for five bucks i got six movies 
Nice. And the only movie in his filmography that seems so different than Bos- than his others is this movie called Australia from 2008 with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman. Oh. And so I, it, but by chance, they had it at the thrift store for a buck. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to snag it because it's the only film of his I haven't seen yet. Uh, despite, well, there's one that's supposed to come out next year called Elvis. It's a biopic about Elvis and Tom Hanks is oh. in it, not playing Elvis. Um, but he's playing Colonel Tom Parker. And so I think that's Elvis's manager, if I'm not mistaken, but not 100% because I know very little about Elvis. But um, so I'm excited to see that one because I have that's I've seen all of his other movies except for Australia, but I just bought it. So I will be watching that in the near future. I watched our movie that we're going to be talking about here momentarily. Staying with the 2001 checklist, um, I when I the first five Criterion films I bought, one of them was Mulholland Drive by uh, directed by David Lynch. Been meaning to get to that for a while. Finally watched that last night. Corey, have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. When I sold it in yeah. Florida. Oh, well, I liked it a, a lot. Uh, Naomi Watts is fantastic. Um, not sure I fully grasped everything just yet. You I don't know, think David Lynch. Do you ever? Yeah. No, Probably not. Um, there's you know one that's the same composer from Twin Peaks, which is not surprising, but that, that music is so Lynch to me. Like that, like the Twin Peaks tone and like the vibe of the music, it's, it's early relevant. Um, I, I, man, I really like Watts a lot in that movie. Um, and like the whole commentary on like the actress, the, the big starry eyes. And then there's the kind of Hitchcock level twist with the characters. That is also a Lynch. It's a Lynch twist the way it happens, but it feels like that misdirect. And so I want to, I haven't had a chance to like read anything or like hear other people's thoughts on it to like really process what I saw. And I've seen a couple of, I've seen enough Lynch to get, his general idea of like stuff and a lot of metaphor and, and symbolism and, and whatnot. So I get the gist of it, but I'd like to hear some deeper thoughts before I make any, like how awesome is this movie? It's, it's really good though. Um, and then uh, today I needed something a little lighter, but also I wanted to check off one of my movies and I owed uh, Michelle Miller um, who was on our podcast, the top five podcast a couple years ago. And one of her top five movies was legally blonde and I'd never seen it. And I've been meaning to watch it since I interviewed Michelle. I said I would watch it. I was going to watch it. And I bought it. And I haven't got to it. Now is the time because it's from 2001. And so uh, I just finished that right before recording, basically, about an hour ago. And uh, have you seen Legally Blonde, Corey? Yes. That's an American. Uh, that I hadn't seen? It's an American? Yeah. Uh, oh. Dude, oh, Bend and Snap. Right. Um, <laughs> I know what that is now. Uh I, I like Luke Wilson a lot anyways, and he's not always used well. I thought he was used really great in this, but Reese kills it in this movie. But I mean, she's I think so good. She's often good though, right? Like I, I don't, but, I, I don't have any examples of her not being great, but she but is really, I really great in this. feel like she was, she was born to play Elle Woods. True. Uh, Cause she's good at doing, I think the idea that she is like, she's comfortable with the way most people see her. But also that she is aware that she's much more than that. Yeah. Like that comes off really, really uh, perfectly. And I thought she was great. And um, Selma Blair in this, I thought was really interesting. I thought her character was um, a linchpin of me really enjoying this movie. Like, because she is at first that kind of stereotypical character. That's like just the, the evil one who is the rival female, but I like the character development of her character throughout the film. So really Actually, the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, this movie's actually pretty awesome in a lot of ways. It's entertaining. 
Um, it's short, which is why I picked that tonight. Because um, it was torn between this and another movie that I picked up at the thrift store that's from 2001, which is um, The Majestic with Jim Carrey, uh, which I've oh, never seen. I haven't seen that. Uh, and I, I have a few. There was a stint where he did a lot of more like prestige type movies in that time frame. And I skipped them all out of like, I don't know. I was in college and I thought I was too cool for stuff. And I was like, whatever, Jim Carrey. I like the comedies. And uh, I didn't watch a lot of those. Like I never saw... Um, there's Majestic, and then there's another film that's in the same thing. I can't think of what it is now. And then uh, he does, um, oh, Man on the Moon. I've never watched either, uh, where he plays Andy Kaufman. And then okay. I, I never saw the number 23, which apparently isn't great anyway. So I guess I'm not missing anything on that one. But um, I, I am still going to, I'm going to try to watch the Majestic before we record. But I'm basically going to have seen almost every major movie. Um, the only movie I will not have watched that is important to 2001, apparently, um, is Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor, and I'm just I'm just not going to watch it. It's just it's too long. I'm not a big Michael Bay fan. I just can't do it. Of so, just explosions. Yeah, uh, from Pearl Harbor. So I just I can't take the idea of him doing like such a serious like topic. You know what I mean? Like it's just like. Uh, but then again, he did 13 hours, and I didn't dislike 13 hours. I don't think it's great, but I didn't dislike it. Um, and that's a pretty serious topic too. So okay. maybe I'm being too harsh on Michael Bay, but, but that is it. That's what I've been watching. Uh, no, that's a lie. That's a lie because I did watch, uh, with my two, two of my classes were finishing up film studies. Uh, one watch rear window for the first, uh, for their, their first time. It's my many, many times love that movie. And I don't know if you've watched it or not yet, Corey, but, uh, yeah. you, need to. you just, you just did though, right? Like a week or two ago. Yeah, maybe like a month ago. Not very long ago. I don't think it was that long ago. I, I remember. I have no I, sense I of time. I don't really know what's asking. happening right now. Yeah, time time is a construct. It's all fine. Yeah, um, and then uh, I, I I rewatched with my film three honors class. Do the right thing, um, which was the first time I've taught that film, and it was a really cool experience. The students really got into it. Um, had a lot to say about it, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading their essays on it in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, so I watched those as well, but that was like part of class. So I forget about that. I don't, I try not to count those cause I watched them like broken up over days and stuff. So, um, that said, that's what we've been watching. Uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into our full review of eyes without a face from 1960. All right. So I picked eyes without a face, uh, mainly because, I bought this on Criterion with that first five. So I watched two of my Criterion movies nice. uh, finally um, this week. And uh, I bought this one with no reference. I knew nothing about this movie except that the Criterion Closet on YouTube, um, Edgar Wright talked about this movie and, and why he thought he picked it out of the closet. So it was always in my mind when I went to buy my first batch of Criterion that I was going to get this movie because I love Edgar Wright and he recommended it. So um, it's directed by Georges Fran Franju. I'm guessing um, written by Jean Redon, the novel uh, Pierre Baudet. Oh boy. I'm just, I'm all over this. Um, did the adaptation and then our cast whose names I will now butcher uh, Pierre Brazier, um, Alita Valley, Juliette Mayneil, Mayneil, Alexandre Renault, Beatrice Altariba and Charles Blavet. And why not? Claude Brasseur, who is apparently, Related to Pierre, I'm guessing, but that could be wrong. All right. The premise of the film, a surgeon causes an accident, which leaves his daughter nope. disfigured and goes 
too extreme to give her a new face. What did you say? Um, well, here's my problem with this is I don't know what the cast is listed in order of, but um, they have none of those are the Christian. Christian, yeah, is Edith yeah. Scoben. She's at the very bottom. Yeah, I was wondering about that as I was like skimming. This is IMDb's cast list. Letterbox cast list is a little better, I think, in order at least. Mm. Um, so I will real fast just to make sure we get the actuals. Uh, well. Pierre Brasseur is right. Alita Valley as Luis, Edith Scobb as Christine, who is the main, and then Edna Gruber's character, played by Juliette Maniel, and she's, I would say, is a pretty important character oh, yeah. to the story. Um, so yeah, the order on IMDb just says completed credited cast. It doesn't say what, what the structure is as far as why it's ordered that way. It's not alphabetical. I don't know if it's, it might be an order of appearance, because there's like all these different, like, well, no, Edna Gruber's the third build. I don't know why Chris, Christiane would be build last. She's definitely the title character. So, well, I mean, she's the person without a face. So, um, <laughs> she's the eyes. Yeah, uh, which is a little misleading, I think, um, because in my head, it was just gonna be eyes, like, <laughs> like just eyes. <laughs> And, like, nothing else, right? Like, there would be literally no face there. And so the reveal, I thought, a little disappointing. But real fast, uh, 90 Metascore, meta 7.7 IMDb user score. That's it. Um, I picked it. But, Corey, what did you think about Eyes Without a Face? Um, first of all, I think we need to talk about how it's the perfect running time. It was exactly an hour and 30 minutes long. Yes. Way to go. Um, I didn't know a lot about this movie. It's been on my Criterion list for a long time, but I always talk myself out of it, mostly because it was on my list because of its awesome cover. Really cool cover. Sometimes I buy movies based on, you know, the cover art. Sorry, guys. Um, and so I didn't really, I kind of knew like the premise of what it was about, but I didn't, I'd never heard anybody talk about the movie. You know what I mean? So... I didn't yeah. really know what to expect going in. Um, and also we have, with much research and whatever, we've decided that just because it's Criterion doesn't yes. mean it's going to be the best. So We've had some bad experiences with a few Criterion movies. Yeah, we're like, why? Why? Um, so I didn't really know what to expect, but I really enjoyed it. And I think that I'll be thinking about it for a couple of days. Yeah. It definitely uh, it, it it lingers. Um, it's it's a cool horror movie because it's not the type of horror movie where they're looking for jump scares. I would say it's more in line with like what Val Luton was trying to do with his horror films, um, where it's more about dread and uh, mm -hmm. introspection, and you're you're kind of self reflecting. And I think even in a, to a degree, like you are projecting your yourself onto the blank face, so to speak. You know where you're like, what would I do if I were in this position? um and there's there's a lot um i think that you can kind of process uh without i we don't want to get into spoilers but um i do i think the design of her mask which is revealed very very early right like it's not that's not like a late thing uh the first time we see christiane's face is in the mask and the mask alone <laughs> is jarring um because it is almost a complete blank slate, but yet resembles a face, but it looks off, right? Like, it's it's like 
um there's a few masks that you see there's a mask similar like in the purge where it's very like a, a face but not a face and then uh there's a, a band called hollywood undead a couple of oh. their masks kind of remind me of that look and honestly a band that i was in um uh a quick shout out to under the empire um my guitar player wore these like you'd buy you can get them around halloween usually they're just like a plastic mask they're clear but they look kind of like a human face but they're they distort your face a little bit and uh our other guitar player would like paint them different styles for that this um our guitar player and so the, it kind of reminded me of that too so it's always this unsettling kind of like it's a human face but not right like it's like an emotionless statuesque human face and it's it's unsettling well also like there was something cool that i it took me like halfway through the movie to realize the lips are not like solid they're like cut between yeah so like it makes it a little more eerie even because they're just oh so slightly like barely moving yeah 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 it's not like a mask now where like the mask is gonna move with the with your jaw or whatever it is just enough so she could probably breathe through it and that she could speak through it but it's unsettling because like they're not moving when the words are coming out so it's like you it looks kind of like real lips but it's definitely not um yeah it's very very compelling um i i i definitely think it's a movie that's worth watching it it's eerie um it's thought-provoking and as a film I don't want to get into what just yet. I feel like we need to save some of that stuff for spoilers, but there's some really impressive stuff that the movie does um, that I think is worth talking about in like detail. Um, but uh, I, I like this, the story structure of this movie too, because it keeps you in the dark for a little bit. Um, but even like, I mean, the title kind of alludes to some truth. But as the movie gets going and like the reveals start to happen, it's pretty it's pretty well structured. And uh, every time like it's not a movie that relies on the twist for it to have impact. But I think the way that there's like you're not sure about a couple of things early and then, OK, now we get the, the kind of the scope of what the, what's going on, who the doctor is and, you know, the, the truth about his daughter. And it's man, it's 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 a dark tale. You know, it's, it's definitely very, very dark. And also, I think I watched the Criterion print. Obviously, uh, it looks amazing. Like the black and white is really, really strong. There's a lot of great lighting scenes in this film. Um, the contrast is super strong. Um, I um, watched the Criterion. I rented it on Amazon HD. Um, it did look really good. Sometimes they like let you rent the Criterion version, and sometimes it's you know what I mean. Sometimes it's not. Sure. I don't know. Um, so I think I, I'm ready to move to spoilers if you're okay with that. Yes. All right, let's do it. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about Eyes Without a Face. Oh, we should have sang this song. Um, <laughs> you've been warned. So the song, by the way, it's it feels like I've heard it before. And I don't know if that's because they play it so much in the movie that it's just like, feels like the creepy like hold on i I meant the billy idol song i should have like oh (laughs) but that it was like creepy weird like circus music yes sideshow weird circuit circus music is exactly what i was gonna say um that is the perfect description of that song and it might be i really wish lady would stop barking um hey lady uh wife is just getting home from work and 
guessing she doesn't have a key and my daughter is not being receptive to the door um there she goes i hear her stomping um so <laughs> sorry for the play-by-play everybody but um so the creepy song um for sure but i want to talk about the removal of the face yes because i was not expecting to see that scene in this movie because of the time frame and like what was allowed by the censors and everything which uh one of the interviews i read um mentions that he to keep it uh from being like i think from r or like it was to keep it from being banned to keep it from being banned by one of the the countries he wasn't allowed to have blood now there is a little bit of blood in that sequence but it's not like gushing blood so like he like when later in the movie when the woman stabbed in the neck there's like no blood right so this is, I guess, because of the nature, it's like a surgical procedure that the blood was okay. And it was still not a lot of blood. Like, it wasn't gushing. It was just, like, a, a long line. But I honestly don't even know if I saw the whole thing because I was so freaked out by it. Like, when he goes to peel the skin off, I'm like, oh, my God. I love it. I, yeah, it's so, so creepy. It's, like, it's kind of funny that it made me so uncomfortable because, like, the mask, it looks like it's a i mean maybe it wasn't cheap back then but it just looks like a silicone wobbly like shaky whatever it doesn't look real but it's still so unnerving yeah and i think it's also part of my head's like to be honest i can't imagine what it would actually look like because no one should ever do that like like, fair like Um, the idea of like peeling and i mean the joker did it in uh, the recent years of the batman comics i think like in the middle of the new 52 joker has his face like peeled off and then he tapes it back on and like there's like masks that i actually have an action figure with it on my wall right now and that was bothersome there but this is like way more um well i think that it's i mean i know that's like freshly being cut off but the way that they because they like show her without her skin you know and it's just like a mud mask or something i don't really know what they used but you know like squish on her face but earlier we i think it was earlier before this we see christiane without her mask on and that to me is so much more grotesque because mm. it's like see, that was got where i was a little disappointed <laughs> grooves and stuff and but I still feel like it's a face, and that was where I felt like the title was misleading. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I she could walk mean, in, like... but I feel like it's more than just like I don't know, like your literal face. I mean, it kind of, I mean, how many people? I mean, that's their identity. Like, sure. What if you looked in the mirror? Like, she could walk into a room that wasn't her dad or Edna or whatever her name was. And no one would know it was her. Sure. Sure. No, no. I mean, obviously yeah. the title has multiple meanings uh, about like the idea of identity. Um, she's kept from her love because of it. Like she's had to fake her death. So she's lost her whole life basically. Um, and that's like her, her father's keeping her locked up. And there is this whole incestuous kind of subplot that you're not sure. Is he keeping her for himself? Is he, you know, like, what is this? Like, really? What's the motivation there? Uh, and that is, a, from what I read, like, that the director intentionally wants you to kind of think that that's a possibility without saying it's, you know, definitely what's happening. Um, and then there's some things that I don't know the context of. I can't remember what the word is right now either, but there was something with um, the 
the maybe it's the fashion or something of uh of france at the time but like there's something there's commentary about french society into this film that i don't have the context of to fully process yet but that's like part of like the whole i think ties back into maybe the vanity of like not having a face but that like medically she has a face right it's more like her face is disfigured horribly and thus she can't go out in the public and things like that um what i don't understand what i still don't understand about this about her situation is he's already successfully grafted what is that woman oh i don't think hers was as severe um edna right that's the no edna's the one he replaces i think it's louise is the uh like the assistant i guess to his like i don't know what she's the assistant of it seems like she's definitely like a, an accomplice in the in the oh, kidnapping yeah, and murders wearing the girls um yeah but um i, I mean she's in Suspiria. um <clears throat> like um you know they show her cut and stuff you can still see her scar and that's why she wears the pearls and stuff and when we mm -hmm. see um christiane i hope I say, i'm saying her name right there you can't see any scars so at first i didn't you know i didn't realize that something was going to happen to that face that she was wearing uh, and i love that sequence where they're like doing the time lapse yeah, where he's, he knew right away that it didn't it didn't take and like the tragedy kind of that falls her and basically I mean he breaks her down like psychologically because of all of it like I mean he fakes her death because he has to cover up the murder so you know people I guess knew about her accident so when she when a body showed up with no face and all he had to say was yeah yeah that's my that's my daughter um you know people were just like okay you know like this um the way the movie started i'm like okay so he's already established that he removes people's faces and tries to put them on other people so i was thinking like when she's dumping that first body in the river i thought that was his daughter with her new mm -hmm. face and he was she was dumping the victim whoever she got her face from but that was not the case folks and it's just like no. You wonder, was her face that horribly disfigured from the car wreck? Or, you know what I mean? Like, was it that yeah. bad that now she doesn't have one at all? Like, because he tried to, like, fix it and made it worse make kind it of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Pro that, that's definitely a, a possibility. And, again, I think that might play on the, uh, the cultural element that I, again, have not had enough time to really fully grasp or research. It um, makes I watched... Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, it, it, I was just thinking, like, about Seven and the woman with vanity, Uh huh. you know, and I don't know. Well, Stuff and then, um, you know, at the end where she, she opts to kill, uh, she releases the one girl, um, and then she opts to kill Luis and then releases the dogs on her father, who uh, we already seen the dogs treat her well, but we, by their barking, I guess we're supposed to know that they're they're angry. Well, and so once released, they attack the father. He experiments on them, and he right, right, yeah, he's awful. Yeah, oh, there's nothing redeemable about the the father. I mean, if we're looking at like the Blake Snyder school of screenwriting, you're supposed to save the cat, and he maims the dogs. So, uh, definitely <sighs> not a good guy, not a redeemable character. Um, like i guess we're supposed to have a little bit of empathy that he loves his daughter but then it's like mm. they, it hits that creepy wall where you're like wait a minute 
how do you love your daughter? Because this seems maybe it's not about her happiness, but about your own happiness. Like, it's not like she's unhappy, but I think she's unhappy because you're locking her in the house and and telling her she's not attractive right like like it's not like he's like oh you your face is no big deal it's okay that you have scars like that's you know it's like no no i'm gonna make you perfect like does she ever like she wants to be able to look at herself and be okay but i don't know that she really wants it at the cost that it's taking you know on on herself on her life and then on all these other girls i mean obviously she's she doesn't stop it with edna but she's clearly had enough at the the last victim, you know. Yeah, and I mean, again, that for I think it's like the first live girl that we actually witness them like kidnap. Well, I mean, they lure her back to the house. Um, she jumps out of the window after she screams. Mm. We can only assume I'm assuming that she looked or saw her face was messed up. Yeah, yeah, it's um, the implications for sure. Um. Yeah, I mean it's it's super well made. The lighting's I really like the lighting and the look of the film and then uh this the music is unsettling. I don't really know the like the motivation. I I feel like there's probably a reason to go with that circus vibe. Um and I think it it seems to be associated with Luis a lot um with her driving and stuff. Yes. So like go picking up the girls. Yeah, and I don't know what if that's connected to anything that maybe again would give context, but it's uh if you're looking for um you know a good horror movie that's not again it's atmospheric and it's more like internalized horror it's not jump scares and um it, which again I like that type of horror I I like the horror that's more like empathetic and you feel for the characters and it is character centric and um you know it's horror in the, in some of the scenes so there's definitely some body horror stuff that happens that again we the face peeling off is is real tough especially because you're like poor Edna. And the, I think one of the, the most frustrating parts is like, he's like, there's no way to have done this without ruining someone else's life. Like, so there's mm-hmm. no like, well, he had a plan. Like he had no plan. He was literally like, I don't care about all these other people. As long as my daughter is, is beautiful. Like, I don't care about anything else. And like at the beginning when he's like giving the, he's somewhere, um, giving like a seminar about it mm-hmm. and everyone's like praising it but of course well, none of those people know the implications right they don't know that he's like doing this for his daughter it's more like you know because burn victims and things like that also not getting the skin I... illegally right like you know like um because it's a form of skin grafting that he's doing and that is a real process like for burn victims and stuff but they usually take skin from like your butt or like your thigh where it's not visible and they put it where it is visible so that you can, you know, cause we're a vain society and that's what we feel like we need to do. I mean, if there's like, there are obviously reasons for skin grafting for like pain and things like that. I'm not criticizing that, but like if we're, if we're, you know, going through costly surgery just because we want to look a certain way, that is sad that we've built a society where we feel like it's not okay to be scarred. Like it, it should be fine. Like scars happen. Um, it shouldn't be like, you shouldn't have to feel bad because you have a burn on your face or whatever. Again, if it's pain related, I, I offer no criticism and I don't, I'm not actually even criticizing a person for feeling that way. I'm, I would probably feel that way. I just think it's sad that we've built society where that's the case that someone has to be ashamed of something like that. We shouldn't feel that. 
Um, I think I'm right. I hope I'm right. I, I mean, no, not to be. I'm trying to be a, a actually very sensitive and empathetic. And I feel like I'm being like dismissive and condescending. And that's not my goal. So apologies if I am. I'm trying to say it's a shame that we anyone feels bad because of how we look. We shouldn't feel that way, right? Like we should all be proud of who we are and, and our, our bodies and all of that. So that's what I'm going for. Hope that came across. I'm going to stop talking. What do you think, Corey? I feel like you did fine. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those. It's a slippery slope. Right? It, is, it is like, hard because we don't know. Yeah, I don't want to put anyone in. Like, I'm not trying to make you feel bad for, like, feeling bad kind of thing. Like, oh, I don't like the way I look, so I'm going to get surgery. Totally get that. I, but it's a shame that we built culture in a way that you feel like you have to do that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that's what I think this movie is kind of criticizing that, like, you know, instead of like her being able to find a way of coping with the, the, the injury and the accident, it's the dad has basically made her feel like she has to have this, you know, you know, you have to be perfect and I'm going to kill other people so that I can make you look beautiful again. It's, it's essentially saying you're not pretty now, mm. but you were, and that's messed up, right? That's, that's horrible. And then again, that he's willing to take someone else's life so that his daughter can have her beauty restored is i think i think that's a criticism to the uh, the vanity of of the culture and i mean for, i'm not an expert on french culture but i know that fashion is often associated with the french right like that's a common thing when we talk like high fashion and stuff so yeah. i i only assume that that is uh, that's tied to that for sure i feel like that's a fair assumption right uh, again i i'm i'm by no means an expert on on french culture expert. but just I'm kidding. Oh, yes, correct. Uh, total, I've studied, I'm a Frenchophile. Is that a... Yeah, I don't... Per, what's a paraphile? That sounds awful. Um, <laughs> no, I am not, I'm none of those things. I know very little about French culture outside of things I've seen in movies and TV shows. So <laughs> Most of uh, the things we know about in our lives. <clears throat> yes, that is not an untrue statement. Um, Audrey Hepburn once said, everything I, I learned, I learned from watching movies. And that applies to my life severely. So... Um, yeah, but Eyes Without a Face, I think it's, uh, I would say right away, must-see movie. I mean, I agree. And that leaves us to look ahead to a movie that I have seen, but Corey has not, and it is her pick. And we're going to be watching The Wicker Man from 1975. So don't confuse that with the Nicolas Cage, The Wicker Man. And if you're thinking, that, oh, The Wicker Man's a horrible movie, you're thinking of the Nicolas Cage one. The 1973 uh, Wicker Man is quite beloved. It has a 7.5 IMDb user rating, a 87 Metascore. And if you are a fan at all of Ari Aster's Midsummer, you owe a lot to The Wicker Man from 1973. And uh, I did not know this until just now, but it came out eight years before I was born on my birthday, August 7th, 1974. So that's exciting to me. Um, I don't see August 7th tied to a lot of things, but... Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, Corey, but this movie is an hour and 28 minutes long. <gasps> we are winning this month. Two minutes shorter. Uh, yes, <sighs> we were picking the right length horror films. Um, but The Wicker Man from 1973, uh, a Puritan police sergeant arrives in a Scottish island village in search of a missing girl who the locals claim never existed. Directed by Robin Hardy, written by Anthony Schaefer, stars Edward Woodward, Christopher Lee. Oh, yeah. Uh, Diane Cliento, and is there anyone else? Uh, Britt Eklund, Ingrid Pitt, Lindsay Kemp. Nobody's names are really popping off there for me. Um, I have seen this just once uh, a few years ago, so my review is at BerkReviews.com if you want to read that ahead of time to see what I thought. But I'm looking forward to rewatching it because I really enjoyed it the first time. And again, it's, it's, it's very short, so boom. 
check that off the list. Um, in the meantime, listener, if you want to keep up with what we're doing and what we're watching, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews on all the socials, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Twitter. And Corey? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And we will be back uh, next week with another episode. And we ask that if you like what we're doing here, that you take just a minute and rate and review us on whatever uh, podcast platform you use to listen to us. It helps other people find the podcast. And if you really want to, you can share us on Instagram or Twitter and help spread us uh, spread information about us that way. Um, that's it for this episode. We'll be back next week with our review of The Wicker Man. And until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com.